Hey guys, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Amy Brigetti, and I'm host of this, what we call Married to India. It is really today that we're going to cover a little bit about arranged marriages, not in general, actually, because um, I'm going to talk from personal experience. My brother-in-law, um, who I have known for all of my relationship almost, uh, actually had this experience in which I was invited into the experience because I am obviously married to his eldest brother. Um, my experience with arranged marriages didn't go any further than that of the Bollywood films in which I had seen over and over again. And over time had really grown to love watching these films. They were so full of colors and music and just real core values. And, you know, every time I thought of India, I think because I was so um, introduced to it by these films, all I could think about was those things. I never thought about real life and separated it from those because it was just to my belief that this was the culture, this was the way things were. And in fact, when you go to India, the realism of it all is really when I probably was hit the most because I had expectations on one level. And um, learning about India and the fact that there are different regions and different traditions that are attached to those regions, different customs, just because you're a Hindu in India does not mean that every ceremony is done exactly the same. Yes, there are processes within that ceremony because it's the Hindu faith that has to be followed, but that does not mean each ceremony is going to be exactly the same. Most of those ceremonies are really, and, and pre-functions are really based off of the region in India in which the family is from. So, um, that for me was probably a little bit of a shocker because I had expectations on how it would be and then, of course, how it was. I think also one thing that's always intrigued me about India was how secular it is when it comes to religions. And everybody just assumes, you know, when they're not very educated, what India is. And to be quite honest, my experience when I was over there was was just eye-opening because it really broadened um the very narrow mindedness that I had within myself about the world. Um, it really opened my eyes to see people differently, to see the world differently and to be way more accepting than ever. Um, because I wasn't raised, uh, with those things being so comfortable around me. So when it took time for us to become a little accustomed to the fact that my brother-in-law was in fact going to have an arranged marriage and it was decided within the family that we would start to make preparations to go over there. We looked at, as I stated in my last podcast, that we looked at a lot of pictures that came in, you know, in India, for those of you unfamiliar, they call these biodata pictures. And, you know, it can be a running joke when people talk about biodata pictures, but it's a real thing. These pictures um, are passed around and they do have your biological information to a certain extent, as far as uh, hair, height, eye color, weight, um, what it is that you're doing or studying or your career is in, um, may even give, uh, along with it, whoever's giving it to you may even give you a little bit more information about family backgrounds and such. But my brother-in-law was supposed to go to India before we got there and really finalize on a few girls maybe of interest to him. And by the time we got there, we were supposed to be there preparing to attend um, his marriage. However, when we got there, it in fact did not work out that way because every 
girl that he had met was kind of just not what he was looking for. So when we finally arrived, it was decided that he wasn't going to get married that time and that we were just going to enjoy our time in India as a family, um, it being our first time there, and then maybe pursue this again at another time. It was literally days before we had to head back to the U.S. that a family friend had uh, mentioned that there was a another girl and they had really pleaded with us to to, to visit and meet with this girl and her family. They almost insisted. And so that was, that was where it really began for me as far as my role in the family as the eldest daughter-in-law. That's when I really understood a little bit more about what that entailed. So when my in-laws became aware of this girl and we had agreed to go meet, I remember getting up that morning because we were going to her family member's house nearby in order to meet her. And I remember coming out, remember I'm just six months postpartum of having my second son in which I'm, I'm just not feeling my greatest. You know, I have all these these feelings within myself because of my weight gain and like I have postpartum acne. There was just so much going on. This wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. However, I wake up and I get dressed and I come out and I'm wearing, of course, as per the American standard, I'm wearing this black solar um, because black makes me feel a little bit smaller, a little more hidden. And I just felt more comfortable. It was probably three quarter sleeves, hit a little bit more. And no sooner I came out, my mother-in-law had told Serino that I was going to have to go back in and change because black is not an auspicious color and that I could not wear that to meet uh, my brother-in-law's potential bride and her family. So I had to go back in. And the only other thing that really fit me that I had, because again, I'm like five foot 11 at the time I was, I was well over 250 pounds. Everything that I had that I was wearing had to be custom stitched. So all I was left with was this baby powder, pink solvar, these floral designs, everything I didn't want to wear. And it, when I put it on, it just felt like a fat man in a little suit. I was I felt humongous in it. Um, totally didn't want to be in it uh, whatsoever, but I sucked it up and I put this thing on and, you know, we went ahead and we started our journey to go meet this family. And um, when we got there, everybody was super hospitable to us, you know, and we're talking and engaging and different family members introducing themselves and of course, snack and tea and stuff like that as we're waiting for, you know, this, this girl to make her entrance down. And shortly after we had gotten there, it was, it, it was to a certain extent, a little bit like a Bollywood film, you know, all her sisters were surrounded her. They got her all done up, put flowers in her hair, and she's looking down as if to be very submissive and very quiet. Uh, no eye contact was made, kind of coming down the stairs with all those sisters. And it was, it was not a very long meeting. It's not something that family allowed her to have a whole lot of time with my brother-in-law. And even for us, making any type of decision or judgment to me would have been crazy because we just like, like I just saw her. So I um, was sitting in this area, partaking in this process of sitting with the elders as my father-in-law and my mother-in-law were sitting there conversing. And my brother-in-law comes out of this very quick few minute meeting with her. And he motions for me to step outside onto their, it's like a small terrace pad. And he asked me what I thought. And I thought, what do you mean? What do I think? And he was like, well, what do you think about her? And I said, well, there's no way that I can judge her based on 
I, I didn't even really get to see her, let alone tell you that this is your life partner. I said, that's a decision, you know, you're going to have to make for yourself. I said, however, I just have two, two small requirements. I said, does she want to be in the U.S.? And he said, yes, she's okay with coming to the U.S. Because, you know, one of my biggest fearful things was that this marriage becomes arranged and her family's there and he always knew he wanted to be in the U.S. with his brother. So I wanted to make sure whoever he wound up with was definitely someone who was going to be okay living in the United States because that's that was his end game, you know. And I've heard stories from other people that they never wanted to live in the U.S. They missed their family so much. And I just didn't want that extra burden to be something my brother-in-law would have to bear um, during his marriage. Marriage is hard enough and let alone add a whole bunch of other equations to it. It just gets tougher. So that was my first requirement. And then I also asked him, I said, does she speak English? Because for me, it was very important uh, for my sister-in-law to be to speak English because my mother-in-law at the time was speaking broken English. We were still learning from each other and to have to um, work with somebody else who doesn't speak English and try to be part of the conversation every time we're together as a family, I felt would be extremely difficult. My father-in-law speaks, you know, fluent English, you know, proper British English. Um, so it was almost as if we needed my father-in-law a lot in the beginning to help me and my mother-in-law not only get to know each other, but communicate. And I just didn't want that to be the case with my future sister-in-law. I, I'd met a lot of Serenu's friends, girlfriends from, you know, college and stuff like that. And I had always thought like, man, I was so excited to have a sister-in-law because I couldn't wait to have someone that I could talk to, somebody that could share in, you know, any of the mother-in-law stuff that I wanted to talk about or share in just marital advice or raise our kids together. I was super excited to have that experience um, because there, there were quite a few friends of ours that uh, have wives that I had particularly grown fond of um, over the years. And I think I was at that time just super excited to be able to experience having like my own sister-in-law. Um, not only was she my sister-in-law, but Indian and could just help me relate to things that maybe I didn't and that we could have conversations. And again, uh, bigger than ever, be able to raise our kids and her help me navigate that process as well as me help her in the United States. So those were my two questions that I had for him. You know, is she is she fluent in English and does she is she okay coming to the US? And both of them he said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, Are you sure? You know, did you hear her speak English? And he said, Yeah, I didn't have much time with her, but I did, you know, hear a couple and he told me, you know, her education and um stuff like that. So I was like, Bology, at the end of the day, this is your life, this is your marriage, and um, you're gonna have to be the one decides that. We can't we can't make that decision for you. So it was decided that he he was going to go through with this marriage again. He just met her. And within a matter of just a couple of days, they were married. And that whole experience to me was just, it, it happened like a whirlwind because it happened so fast and so quick. There wasn't even time to process it. Um, by the time they had agreed, um, we had a house full of family and, you know, additional people we didn't even know. We were exchanging horoscopes. There were just 
suitcases that were full of money and currency that was being exchanged and, you know, shopping that had to be done because there are formalities of buying this and buying that. And, you know, my sister-in-law comes from a politically influenced background. And so there were a lot of new things that um, I wasn't prepared for. We had um, pretty much armored vehicles, uh, not necessarily armored, but armed vehicles that kind of took us to and from when we were doing things with the family. We didn't really get to spend much time with their family. We, we spent more time with her, one of her sisters than anybody, um, as far as her taking control over this arrangement and then a family member who was helping with travel and stuff like that. But when we finally had exchanged horoscopes, it was determined that we were going to have to head to Vishakhapatnam in which my brother-in-law and soon to be sister-in-law were going to be married at the Dolphin Hotel at that time it was a rather nice hotel but everything was taking place in a matter of days like i said so as soon as they met immediately the horoscope was done and then travels were underway for us to get to vishakhapatnam and then the hotel of course those arrangements were being made and there were formalities that had to be done and then before you knew it the marriage was taking place and again none of us really had talked to her um or knew anything about her, let alone my brother-in-law having married her. So by the time they had gotten married and up until this point, my brother-in-law and I were very, very close. Like without a doubt, every day, 1030 in the morning, he used to call me, check in with me, check in on the kids. You know, I was like his big sister, you know, as far as taking care of his laundry and pressing his clothes and just doing everything for him when he came into town. We really had established a very good relationship. And then before I knew it, he was married. Married. And um, it was almost like in the blink of an eye, you went from bachelor to married. And a lot of things changed at that time. You know, I, I felt like to some extent, there was a bit of a step back that I had to take and like, let her fill that role as his wife. And that was that was tough. Um, just because for so long, it was me. And um, then it kind of felt like it went from me to three when I know that that sounds a little silly to say, but I think when you just feel like a big part of someone's life and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, somebody else comes and just immediately fills that role. There's as well as a bit of happiness that comes, there's a bit of grieving that perhaps happens. And I think I felt that the most. And shortly after my brother-in-law had gotten married, um, he had called home and he was telling us, you know, about how they went to the temple afterwards. And that was really when we saw him last was him getting into a car to leave for the temple post-wedding. And I just remember him making side comments about his new wife was going to be a better cook and a better mom. And, a be- you know, I don't even know if he remembers having made those comments, but he did. And those really cut like a knife. Like I heard them and I was so hurt. And I remember telling my husband, like, how, how can he say that? Like, he doesn't even know her and he could make such comments and we're so close. And I just said, okay, this is, you know, we have to chalk it up to the fact that they're newlyweds and this is what happens. And, you know, I'm sure everybody goes through this process and, you know, we, that, that was the way that we had experienced it. And I remember coming back to the United States and just processing it at that point because it happened so quickly when it did that there there was no real time to process it. And so processing it after that was just like, I couldn't believe it. Like, this is really how things happen. You have two people that know nothing about each other 
potentially have nothing in common. And then lo and behold, they're like married and expected to consummate a marriage, let alone they're, you know, coming back to their parents' home in which this this room is like quickly flipped over from our room to their room and then decorated on the assumption that they would consummate their marriage. And it, the idea to wrap my head around something like that was difficult. You know, again, I'm not saying that here I'm in America and we're all innocent here, but from where I'm from and how I was raised, that wasn't something so easily acceptable here or adapted to, or that rushed into. And so it it did, it took a while. It wasn't like, you know, we we had a family member who was dating and then all of a sudden they proposed over Christmas and then you had all these months to prepare for a marriage and get to know that person and welcome them into the family. It was like, nope, here, she's here. Hey, <laughs> you know, and it's for keeps. It's It's really a very crazy experience, especially when you've talked to so many people here in the United States and they're like, oh, caste systems, it's not a thing anymore. No, it's very much a thing there. It might not be something that's um, very openly discussed, but the caste system and marrying into your same caste very much is alive in India. And the dowry portion of things, whether they want to call it something else or use other terms or, you know, validate it through another means they can, but there's definitely still a, a dowry system in India and money is still exchanged. Things are still exchanged, whether we're going to consider it a gifting or not, it, it does take place. And for anyone who would say, no, 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 that's not true. They're either hiding that or they're just in denial themselves because it is very much, um, prevalent in the system and in the families, um, especially amongst South Indians. Um, my, my family is Telugu. They are South Indian and they, I, I tell everybody all the time, I very jokingly, but I always tell everybody if I knew anything about India before I met my husband, I probably would not have married a South Indian because they're just so much more traditional. They're so like, even for me, like the food, I love North Indian food, whereas my husband's family is mostly South Indian food. So instead of having like naan and very creamy curries and stuff, it's like, there's a lot of like dosa, sambar, like watery dishes. Like it's the two foods, even though very rich in flavor, very different. So I often joke about them. And, you know, my experience, and again, this is coming from the fact that I shoot a lot of Indian weddings and those weddings predominantly are like North Indian and Gujarati weddings. So those weddings in general are just a different um, group than your typical South Indian weddings and Telugu Indian weddings. And Telugus are definitely way more traditional and they're way more... Um, they're just way more intense, I would have to say. And so I always tell people, gosh, if I would have known this, I would have married a North Indian. And then I just tell them, I'm just kidding, because I knew nothing about India um, when I first met my husband. So it's not like I was heading down the way trying to chase down my own Indian. Um, but I really feel like looking back on it all, my experiences and so forth, I truly did marry into like the greatest culture. I mean, if I could have picked two cultures that would be so amazingly merged, this American and Indian, like, I'm not saying that we're great 
on either all the way, but we definitely have been able to like extract the Indian stuff and extract the American stuff and like smash them together and really come up with something halfway decent. Again, family is nowhere near perfect. And we have been, this has pretty much been a learning experience from us from the day we got together. But my experience with those arranged marriages, um, and then of course, being a wedding photographer, we've done a lot of arranged marriages. A lot of people tend to think that this only happens in India, when in fact, we actually have a lot of arranged marriages that take place within the US itself that, that people probably are not aware of, can't believe happen. And even coming up in this culture with this, you know, idea of like what I thought it was versus what it actually is and being able to see firsthand weddings here in the U.S. and experience weddings in India. It is a total experience when you get to be just totally culturally submersed in it. So again, guys, that's that's really my take on my experience with arranged marriages. People are probably questioning like what what do you feel about them? And that to me is one of those questions where I personally probably would not choose it for myself. And that's not based on my experience at that time, but it's based on my whole experience um, having an arranged mar marriage in our family. It's not something that I would probably be a big supporter of. Um, I'd probably require a lot more um, time spent with somebody, a lot more courtship, a lot more dating. And then I could probably get behind the fact of saying like, it could work. Like I could see where two families who have known each other for a really long time could, could make an introduction, let's say, make an introduction and it could work. But one thing that Srinu over the years has constantly made a point when he tells me and when we observe other people having issues in their relationships and marriages is that when two people get married and they're older, you know, let's just say past 25, when two people get married and they're past those ages, my husband tends to feel that it's very hard for two people who have had that much experience to really be able to mold and blend the way that they live in such a way that there's not going to be conflict. Because when you're married younger, you have the opportunity to really grow together and build some of those habits and stuff together so that maybe individual habits don't become nuances. And so I used to always think that that was, that was his opinion. But then over the years of being together and seeing it and seeing different relationships evolve, I've really seen it to be really true that two people do need to be going through these experiences at a younger stage in their life. And even if not at a younger stage, they need to have been together for quite some time to really be sure that this is the one. So I feel like in a way we, we were a little bit cheated of that experience because I feel you can't really get to know somebody over a couple minutes and a couple minutes basically in an arranged marriage setting like that becomes a lifetime. And, uh, so in my personal experience, I just tell everybody, you got to do you. And when you do you, you just need to remember that when you do you, you're responsible for you. Nobody else. You're your own person. You have to advocate. You have to make sure that whatever decisions you are making for yourself are the right decisions. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast. I hope in some way I was able to educate and inform and just give you guys a different outlook, outlook and perspective on some of these things. I'm going to ask that you guys remember to subscribe, like, share, and of course, follow us everywhere as this journey continues. I'm looking forward to bringing more 
topics that happen on a day-to-day basis. But until we get through to podcast number 26, um, we're just going to keep going like this. So guys, if you have anything that you specifically want to hear, I'm going to ask that you drop a comment in the box below. And that way I know that not only are you guys paying attention to me, but that you guys want to hear more of me. So again, subscribe, like, share, and follow me everywhere. Oh